0: Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now a message from Pastor Paul Kern. Well, we're in our series on the God kind of life. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you want to go ahead and go there in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. We are going to be talking a lot about being imitators of God. And he starts out talking about love, and that's just perfect for uh, today's message because it's Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day to everyone, and we're just celebrating God's love and, and really just trying to do the best we can to imitate what that looks like because it's just been so good to us, right? And we want other people to experience that. So in, in Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 1, It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in, say it with me, love. And as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. But fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, a kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So this chapter opens up talking about being imitators of God, and then the first thing that it says that we need to imitate is what? Love. That because God is love, right? That's, That's the... Faith, hope, and love, these three remain. The greatest of these is love because God is love, and that's why, right? So, being imitators of God by walking in love. You know, a believer's walk matters. It matters. And that's why we're talking so much about the spirit led life this year, the Zoe led life, because. The way we live our life matters. It matters to God, and it makes all the difference in the world on how we live our lives. This chapter opens up talking about this, and the, the reason that our walk matters is because our walk reveals whether or not what we profess is genuine. Anybody can say words. You know, if I, for example, if I told my wife, honey, I love you, but then I go out and engage with a prostitute. And then I come home and I beg for her forgiveness and tell her I'm sorry and tell her I love her. And then I go out and engage with a prostitute. All that is is words. See, see, there's proof of love. There's proof of love. God proved his love for us while we were yet sinners. He gave his son for us. So, God backs up what he says with proof. God's love is genuine. It's real. He proved it. And he proves it every day. Amen. Aren't you glad? So Paul is saying that people will know that we are Christians by our love. Tim was talking Ephesians 4, verse 32. He, he read this scripture. L- love is described as, as kindness kindness tenderhearted, and forgiving. Because when we achieve these things, we're imitating our source, right? God is our source. And so when we achieve these things as believers, as we practice these things, we put them into practice, then we're looking like Him. That's, that, that's what we're called to do. Now, the only way that we can achieve this is by the Spirit, and this whole chapter is talking about walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit. This is the only way you can achieve this because this kind of love is what we call agape love. It's a supernatural love. It's not a human kind of love. And we're going to kind of contrast this. And this is exactly what Paul does in this letter is he contrasts this. So, so you, can't, you can't love unlovable people on your own. You just can't. Trust me. I've tried. I just want to avoid them. I want to. I see them coming. I want to jump in a bush. Hope they don't see me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be acting all holy and stuff now. The human effort cannot achieve this result because it's a supernatural thing. God is love. And if we are to love like God, then we have to walk by the Spirit, the Zoe-led life. We have to abide in Him to be able to express that kind of love to other people. That's the only way that we can possibly do it. So Paul is describing what love is and what love is not. Just in these first few verses as he opens this up, God's love and all love that is like His loves for the sake of giving, not getting. That was good. I should have got an amen. I'm going to say that again because I know y'all are kind of ruminating over that, right? God's love and all love that is like His loves for the sake of giving, not getting. See, with conditional love, thank you very much, appreciate that encouragement, With conditional love, if the conditions are not met, then there is no obligation to love. That's human love. We see this all the time. If we do not get, we do not give, right? It is not reciprocated back. If we don't feel that we are being loved, oftentimes we will not love in return, But God makes no conditions for His love to us, and He commands that we love without conditions. There's no way to earn God's love. There's no way to deserve God's love. God is love, and God's love is unconditional. It is agape love. Can I have an amen for that one? Praise God. Do y'all remember getting... How many of y'all remember getting one of your first coloring books? When you were a kid, man, I'm going to tell you, when they came out with that mega box of crayons, I think I was in like second grade or third grade, that big Whopper one that came out, you know, I always thought, get the little bitty ones. And I was with my mom, I don't remember where we were, and we were getting school supplies and I saw that massive crayon box. I was like, mom, I got to have that. And she got it for me and got a coloring book. I got to pick out my coloring book. And you guys, you know, you remember your parents taught you that you have to follow the pattern, right? You know, draw on the lines, follow the lines. You know, I love after our services on Sunday, if you guys haven't got to be a part of this. You got to observe it, okay? But when the service is over on Sunday, when you go out the double doors, at the back of this auditorium, right when you go out, look to your left, because that's crayon coloring central right there. Man, it's every Sunday. There's kids piled up on that countertop, and there's coloring books out, and there's colors. And... Um, you know, the kids are out there drawing, and I brag on them and tell them how great it is, but I, but I, but I got to be honest with you. I just want to grab that crayon, and like, you got to get on the lines, <laughs> right? And I was really taught to like highlight the lines. You make the lines bolder, and then in, in, on the inside, you kind of color it lighter. And really, as we, as we think about that, as we think about coloring on the lines, the, the, the more closely we colored on the lines, the more it resembled what it was supposed to look like. And see, that's the thing with us imitating God and imitating God's love. The more we stay within the lines, the boundaries of what God has set, we look more like love. When we get outside of the boundaries, that's when it gets messy, And we can get creative, and you can color outside the lines if you want to. It's just not going to resemble what the artist put on the page for you to draw. And it's the same with God's love. Christ is our pattern that we are to imitate. So we have to stay true to the lines. And God established the lines. We don't get to establish the lines. We can color outside the lines if we want to, but we're not going to fulfill the heart of our Creator by coloring outside of the lines. Later in this chapter, Paul talks about the love between a husband and a wife. And if you're, you know, if you're not married, don't skip over this because it, it's, it's really just great to pay attention to what it's teaching here because it's talking about husband and wife relationships and and it's and it's used symbolically to talk about the love relationship between Christ and His bride, right? <clears throat> and so, there's a lot of talk during Valentine's Day about romantic love. You know, there's a lot of romantic love talk at Valentine's Day, and th- and that's great. Uh, you know, that that's awesome. But but. But there's something we have to understand about romantic love. Romantic love has ebbs and flows. It just does. And sometimes it disappears altogether. <laughs> it's true. But the loss of a romantic love is never an appropriate excuse for dissolving a relationship, especially a marriage relationship because the love that God specifically demands in this chapter is agape love, not romantic love. He's not talking about romantic love. See, love like His own undeserved love for us, love that is based on willful choice in behalf of the one loved, and that is regardless of emotions… Because there's been times where I don't feel like loving my sweet wife, believe it or not. And that's my fault. I'm not blaming her. I take ownership of that. That's my fault. Because I've been taught by the Birmingham's, you never name, blame, or complain. And anything that comes out of you came out of you, not out of them. So you have to take ownership for that. That's good stuff. This is what we're teaching our interns here at Applied Life Leaders Academy. This is how you learn to stay married. And they're setting a great example for that. But it's regardless of emotion, regardless of attraction, regardless of whether you feel they are deserving of that love or not. Clearly, romantic love, it enhances and it beautifies a relationship. And I'm not diminishing that. I think it's great. I think that needs to be there. But, but the binding force of a Christian relationship is God's own kind of love, the love that loves because it is divine in nature. And the only way that we can do that is we are abiding in Him. I, I can only love my wife selflessly if I'm putting down my selfishness. And I can only put down my selfishness and master my selfishness if I'm abiding in Him and living the Zoe-led life walking by the Spirit. Because I can't do it, I cannot do it consistently. I, I make attempts, I, I have better days than others, but you know, long-lasting love is gonna be a result of a relationship, a deep, intimate relationship with God. It is the love of giving, not getting. And even when it ceases to get, it continues to give. Scripture says, God loved us while we were still sinners and enemies, and He continues to love us as believers even though we continue to sin and fall short of His perfection and His glory. That's what the Word says. God loves us when we forget Him, God loves us when we fail to return that love. God loves us when we grieve the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because God is love. God doesn't love. God is love. And God commands us to love one another with that kind of love. See, God's love is not only forgiving and unconditional, but God's love is also self-sacrificing. And therefore, to love God is to love sacrificially, to to love by giving ourselves to others, and especially when it's not convenient to do so. That's when you're really loving, right? I mean, Paul expounds on love. He he, he gets into love, and and he expounds on it. but, But one of the things that Paul does to really emphasize love is he contrasts worldly love with godly love. And that's why he starts giving all these descriptions of what this the appetites of the flesh are, because that's what worldly love looks like. And so, it, like in Ephesians chapter five, verse three and four, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather of giving thanks. Now, now, you guys, we can just know, whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Every time, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever God creates that's holy, pure, godly, righteous, the enemy's gonna come, he's gonna counterfeit it, he's gonna pervert it, and he's gonna try to make it really ugly. So we see God's love being godly. God's love is unselfish. God's love is forgiving, and the world's love is lustful and self-indulgent. Yep. They are so different. And it, and, well, let me get ahead of myself. The world loves because the object of love is attractive to them. That's worldly love. The, the, the world loves because it's enjoyable, it's satisfying, it, it loves because it's appreciative, it loves in return, it produces a desired feeling, or it's likely to repay you somehow. That's the world's love. It's always based on the other person's fulfilling the one's own needs and desires. What can you do for me? How can you fulfill me? How can you make me happy? Love me, I'll love you in return. This is worldly love. See, worldly love is reciprocal. Giving little and expecting much in return. This is worldly love. And and I hate this about myself. How about you? The very thing that I know I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. And the very thing that I know I should do, I don't do. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. If God be for me, who can be against me? There's no condemnation in Christ. See, worldly love. And and Jesus even said, you know, when I talked about worldly love, you know, it's reciprocal. You know, I'll love you if you love me in return. Jesus addressed this. He he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46, he says, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? That's not love. But that's the world's definition of love. And, And we see it today. And and this is why divorce rates are so high, even among Christians. See, the church doesn't understand the true definition of love. If we understood the true definition of love, we would stick it out and we would walk in love. But once again, the only way that we can do that is by the Spirit. It's just, Impossible for us to consistently love somebody with agape. That's a God thing. That's a supernatural act of God in our lives. See, it's people's misguided understanding and search for love that leads to immorality and impurity because that kind of love is destructive. It's a deceptive counterfeit that the devil throws out there to try to trick us into thinking that that kind of love is going to fulfill us or that kind of love is going to make us happy. And that's that's where we derive the, the term pornography from. See, the term pornography comes from the term pornea, pornea, immorality. That's what pornea means, immorality, okay? That's where we get that term. It refers to all sexual sin. And and, and listen, church, all sin is against God and it's against godly love. You can just know that about all sin. All sin is against God and it is against godly love. Now, Paul challenges believers to take control over their sexual desires and, you know, it, it, obviously all of us fall into this category. Now, as you get a little bit older, it gets a little easier. Um, it's, it's a lot harder when you're younger just simply because of hormones and you being younger, okay? But the, the, but the Bible doesn't say, okay, you know, when you're young, you can be immoral. And when you get older and your sex drive isn't as strong, you know, you'll, you'll be good. That's not what it says, Paul challenges believers, all believers, to take control of their sexual desires because they are powerful and they can become perverted in unimaginable ways. And boy, we can see this today with the advent of the internet and all of the stuff that we have going on today. And and guys, if if you think it's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. With the birth of AI and VR there is going to be some really, really disturbing things that are taking place. See, if our sexual freedom is given free reign, sexual sin leads to the complete insensitivity to the feelings and welfare of other people. This is why we objectify women in pornography, This is why we enslave people, young children, in trafficking their bodies for what we call meeting our needs, expression of love. We've all seen serial killers driven by sexual immorality. We've all seen human trafficking it's at an all-time high. And that's why Paul said the sins of immorality, impurity, and greed shouldn't even be named among us. See, Ephesians, look at Ephesians 5.15. He, he moves us into, he starts talking about, okay, how, how do you do this? How do you overcome all this stuff, man? Because the flesh is strong. The, the Bible says the you know, the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. So how do you do this? So he kind of gives us the answer here in Ephesians 5.15. He says, be careful how you live. In light of all of this, knowing that you ought to be walking in love, knowing the sins of the flesh, knowing the temptations and the drive of your carnal nature, you should be careful how you live. Don't live like a fool. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Look, look at this. Don't act thoughtlessly. That's, that's worldly love. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Well, how do you do that? Well, he, he, he says, be filled with the Spirit. That's how you do it. And then he says in verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be what? Here's another contrast. It's a con- the devil's got a counterfeit for everything. The counterfeit of being filled with the Spirit is being filled with alcohol. It affects you just like being filled with the Spirit affects you. I mean, think about it this way. It, 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 you know, when I was lost, I did not go to church like this. But I did go to church, the devil's church. It's called a bar. It's a counterfeit. All the windows are blacked out because that's where the deeds of darkness take place. And you go in and there's Fellowship. And there's a minister. He's behind the altar at the bar. And he is distributing spirits to everyone there. And I used to participate in it. It was a counterfeit to everything that is godly and good. And that's what the enemy does. And so he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the spirit that will bless your life. If drinking alcohol and getting drunk improved my life and made my life better and made me happier, I would still be doing it. It just didn't. He says, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing, Bergen's got this one down every day. Psalms and hymns, I go by her office, she's just in there, you can hear it spiritual songs among yourselves. But I don't have a voice like hers, so I try to do mine in the shower and in private, in my truck when nobody's in there. Making music to the Lord in your hearts and giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Spirit-led life is the wise way to live. That's why we're talking about this this year. It says, don't be foolish, be wise, and know... What God's will for you is. Well, you can't know what God's will for you is when you're drunk, when you're intoxicated. You cannot know that. Be filled with the Spirit of Christ and allow Him to lead you daily. That's wise. I mean, that's wise right there. And don't we just admire wise people? Don't we look up to wise people? Don't we go to wise people for counsel? I've never gone to a drunk for counsel. I've never gone to a person who was given too much drink for counsel. Do you know in the Scripture that a lot of people were Nazarites? Samson was a Nazarite. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. They didn't put alcohol to their lips because that meant that they were set apart. And oftentimes in the Scripture, those who are in positions of leadership, we forbidden to drink, priest. Why? Because they were to be filled with the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul and Peter and all these guys that we read about, they were not just filled with the Spirit one time when somebody laid hands on them. They were filled with the Spirit on many occasions throughout Scripture. Because it's a, it's a constant infilling, right? It... it you 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 run out of gas. You got to get filled back up. I got to my truck gets filled up. I mean, I get about 15 18 miles to the gallon. I got to fill up. We got to fill up. Yep. See, when you're filled with the spirit, you can understand what God wants you to do. Being filled with the spirit makes us sober minded it enables us to act with wisdom and understanding. And Paul contrasts being influenced by the Spirit versus influenced by alcohol. The Spirit-led life does not addict you. The Spirit-led life does not ruin other people's lives. The Spirit-led life improves your life and those around you. And that's why I, I say don't get drunk and be filled with the Spirit of the world. It's, I've never seen it improved anybody's situation, ever, not one time. I've never seen an overconsumption of alcohol improve a marriage, I've never seen overconsumption of alcohol rep- improve relationships with your children, I've never seen the overconsumption of alcohol improve a business or a person's reputation, but I have seen an overconsumption of alcohol destroy all of those things. And I had a wise man tell me one time, he said, if you have a glass of wine with your meal, you're just two glasses away from being intoxicated. I was 23 years old when that man told me that. It was Tim Brooks' father. And I knew that to be true because I didn't start out with the intention of becoming a drunkard, but that's what I became. Well, nobody starts out with that intention. That's not the goal. The goal is a casual drink. The goal is to look sophisticated. The goal is to fit in. And that's why it says, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is to be under His total domination and control. And that's in a direct contrast to being in uncontrolled drunkenness. And I remember those days, and I'm so glad that I have been delivered. The the continuous aspect of being filled involves a day-by-day, moment-by-moment submission to the Spirit's control. The, The Apostle Paul and Peter, like I said, they were filled with the Spirit Several different times, the Bible talks about. Even in the Old Testament, we see people who were filled with the Spirit. In certain moments, they were filled with the Spirit. Kind of think, think of the Spirit-led life. I was trying to think of a good way to describe this. Who's been in a sailboat before? Okay. So, you go out in a sailboat and, and you raise the sails, okay, And and the the person driving the boat has one option. Wherever the wind's blowing is where you're going to go. And you you harness the power of the wind by manipulating the sail in such a way that it lines up and cooperates with the wind. And then then you can kind of guide it in the back, you know, but, but, but the wind is the source. And, and that's kind of an analogy for what the Spirit-led life looks like. The, the boat submits to the wind and the wind empowers it wherever it goes. And that's what the Spirit-filled life looks like as a believer. We submit to God and God empowers us and He leads us where he calls us to go. Okay, well how, well, well, how do I know where I'm supposed to go? Well, Paul talked about that other. You, you're not going to know what God is saying to you if you're living a carnal life and in sin. Even if you want to hear from God. And, and this is one thing I tell young adults all the time. It's like... You, you're wanting God to lead and guide your life, but your life, because you're living in sin and in secret sin especially, what it's going to do is it, it, it's like a fog. It, it hinders your spiritual vision. It's, it causes your spiritual ears to be deaf to the still small voice when God wants to whisper you, because God doesn't yell, He whispers. It numbs our hearts. It makes our hearts hard and numb to the soft tapping of the Holy Spirit. And and so I wasn't guided. When I was 23 and I was lost, I wasn't guided to Arkansas until I submitted. When I submitted, see, and it's a heart posture, then... I was able to hear, I was able to be led, and God was able to move in my life and do the things that he wanted to accomplish in my life. See, to to be filled with the Spirit involves confession of sin, which I had to do, a surrender of my will, which I had to do, a surrender of my intellect, my body, my time, my talent, my finances, my possessions, and my desires. It required all of that. And it requires the death of our selfishness and the slaying or the putting down of our self-will. See, when we die to ourselves, that's when the Lord can fill us with the Holy Spirit. Can't fill, fill a full glass. You have to empty yourself, your pride, your carnality, Your selfishness, all of these things, you empty yourself. You pour yourself out as a living sacrifice, and then God can pour himself in. So, if you want direction, if you want to know what God wants you to do, if you're in a haze or in a cloud or you're not getting clear direction, then you need to, the Bible says, you need to examine yourself. Look in the mirror. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What's your attitude? Where's your pride meter at? Is it at two or is it at nine? See, examine yourself. John the Baptist, he stated it this way. In John 3, verse 30, he says, "'He must increase, but I must decrease.'" See, he got it. He he knew what needed to happen. This is what we're talking about this year. This is the the Zoe life. The Zoe life. And this is what we want all of our members to experience here in our church is the Zoe life, the spirit-led life. The spirit-led life, man, it's awesome. It's not addictive, it doesn't destroy your life. It makes every aspect, it enhances every aspect of your life. and makes every aspect of your life better, more fruitful, more productive. And it, and it doesn't cost you anything except to lay down your life. But, but what you get in return, what you give God and what God gives you, you give God an old broken-down heart and life and mind, and God gives you something all brand new. Wow, come on. See, to walk in the Spirit is to fulfill the ultimate potential and capacity of our life on earth. I'm so glad God revealed that to me. Whew. Because I was doing everything that I could to find it, but it eluded me because I was on the throne. Now I can fulfill my ultimate potential and capacity for which I was born. I can not only know it, but I can accomplish it. Because God empowers me. I'm not doing it on my own. These guys, when they stand up here and sing, they don't sing on their own. When I stand up here and preach or Tim or Josh, we don't do it on our own. When you do your ministries, you don't do it on your own. You are empowered by the power of the living God. When you go to work and do carpentry, when you go to work and you teach, when you go to work and you work on automobiles, when you work on car windshields, when you whatever it is that you do, you are doing it by the power of God, the power of God. As we do this in our marriages and with our children and in our businesses and in our church, we're going to experience the fruit that God wants to bless us with because that's... See, God wants us to have this Zoe-led life because he knows the fruit that it's going to produce and then we get to eat of that fruit, taste it, and see that it is good. And that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of those wonderful fruit that we all aspire to have are all byproducts of abiding in Him, walking in the Spirit, putting down our flesh and experiencing the life that God wants us to experience, amen? amen? Amen, y'all stand with me, we'll pray together. Yeah, let's give God a hand clap. God is good, we'll celebrate God today on Valentine's, thank Him for His great love for us. Fathers, thank you tonight, thank you Lord for your love for us. God, we were all undeserving, but you loved us anyway with agape love that is just so hard for us to even comprehend, Lord? Who can understand the breadth, the height, the width, the depth of the love of God? And what can separate us from the love of God? Can hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, powers in this world or in the world beyond, nothing can separate us, God, from your love. Thank you for your agape love, Lord. Thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you that we don't earn it, but it's given freely because you are pure and perfect love. God, we celebrate that love tonight on Valentine's. We celebrate your love for us And God, because you loved us first, we can love in return. And because you live in us, we can love others. We can imitate you. And people can experience the same goodness that we've got to experience in their lives as we interact with them. God, help us. Help us to be wise. Help us not to live foolishly but help us to know what your will is for our life. We love you. We ask you to go before us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great night. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.